and welcome to the Tight On Entry Racing Podcast, the fastest growing podcast on Spotify. My name's John, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Lynch. How's it going, Alex? Doing good, bud. Just sitting back. Yankees on in the background. So if there's any interruptions like I did last week, I apologize. But this is what happens when we decide to record at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock on a Wednesday. You know, that's completely acceptable. You know, not all of us, I get it, not all of us can wake up at at 8, 8.30 a.m. and roll out of bed and, and start a remote job. I guess some of us actually have to get up early in the morning. Only if monkeypox becomes the next pandemic, I could then do that for my teaching job. You but know, unfortunately, I have to wake up at 5.30 every morning. Please don't jinx us. But honestly, speaking of monkeypox, like, is it, like, I don't even, I haven't been watching um i talk about it with my i talk about with my students every once in a while i teach a global issues class so we talk a lot a lot about current events and we did have our first death of monkeypox yesterday in the united states but it's like one death in like two hundred thousand cases so it's like nothing crazy like honestly no one should be concerned i guess so but you know how the media goes with that speaking of the media we'll just transition use that as a transition point i know you didn't watch race for the championship this week I actually watched it. I obviously didn't watch it Thursday night because um, NFL football and what can you expect of me? (laughs) But I did watch it on YouTube, which was actually really convenient. I'm glad you told me they put it on YouTube. Um, It was really convenient. And holy shit, that episode was fantastic. So now I I have to do it. I'm staying up till midnight now to watch the episode after you're saying this. Cool. You're jumping off this call and jumping straight <laughs> onto YouTube. Um, but it was fantastic. Like, that should have been the pilot episode. I can't believe they, like, edited and produced both episodes and said, you know what, we're actually going to go with the first episode, even if it's, like, the second episode's ten times better. Like, at least ten times better. And I, I don't know exactly why it was. Um, I think it was a mix of a few things. I think the storylines were a lot better in episode two. Because it was the Daytona 500, number one. It still just doesn't make sense to me to, like, make the first episode about The Clash. No one cares about The Clash, yep. right? Like, the only people that did care about The Clash were the people that were able to go to the Coliseum. And, like, yep. see a race in the Coliseum. That was it. Absolutely. I don't need to see the background behind it. But um, episode two, it was it was starring Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, and Corey LaJoy. So, um, Corey LaJoy. pretty good variety. You know, but I think Corey LaJoy, I, I think... I think Corey LaJoy and Ryan Blaney really carried um, the episode because they talked about Chase Elliott, but it, like he wasn't really like the main focus. Um, they focused a lot on Ryan Blaney and his um, kind of teammate rivalry with Austin Sindrick. Because mm-hmm. if you like remember back, um, Austin Sindrick actually like like passed um, Ryan Blaney during the duels and kind of gave up their chance of winning the duels, and then he kind of wrecked. Cinder kind of wrecked Blaney coming Blaney to the, at the 500 in, yeah in the 500 so it was really cool to watch that dynamic and it was also really cool to kind of watch Corey LaJoy's dynamic with his team um and I got, gained a lot of respect for him that I didn't have otherwise and I don't really know much about LaJoy I know he's a very personable guy and I know he doesn't run in the greatest equipment because he's running like 32nd right mm-hmm. now in the points but like I always would never like knock him I always thought he would be a decent dude so I'm glad he gets some spotlight in the show yeah, honestly, they could make a whole series, a whole TV show about him and his team, and, and it would succeed. Like, it was – he was the most captivating part of that show for me, um, which is saying something for someone who 
isn't traditionally a Corey LaJoy fan, but maybe you should um, listen to his podcast then. Stacking yeah, pennies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I don't know if I'm that much of a fan, but next week's going to, it's, it's the title of the episode next week is, or I guess this week, tomorrow night is old school versus new school. And it's a focus, focus on Kyle Bush um, and his balance of race life and his new baby and rookie rookie Harrison Burton um, mm. as he finds his footing in the series. So you asked me, I don't know exactly when, um, or sorry, like if it takes place the next week or what, but um, regardless, I'm going to be watching again because it was, um, they really redeemed my, my trust in the series. So um, that's really exciting. I'm glad to hear that then. Yeah. I'll have you to have make to sure cool. to watch it watch both episodes very soon then because i'm not watching it tomorrow obviously because like we said thursday night football and football yeah <laughs> and tomorrow's a great great game um if you're a football fan and listen to our podcast chiefs and chargers are playing which should be a shootout i'm hoping because i have mike williams on my fantasy Ooh, but better um, hope so then yeah we'll see we'll see but uh, a lot of big news this week obviously the big one um you know the elephant in the room has to be kyle bush um, he signs with RCR on a multi-year deal sponsorships yes. so unknown, but he's going to be driving the eight car, which leaves a lot of question marks regarding Tyler. A with RCR. Very big question mark. Leaves a huge question mark for our, uh, for Reddick at RCR. So let's tackle that right away. Right. RCR and Richard Childress did say that they are willing to field three cup teams, which means he's going to get a charter. He's very, what he keeps saying in the media is that he's going to get a charter and things like that. After digesting with that information a little bit, I may be like stirring the pot a little, but I think behind the scenes, Richard Childers is still very pissed at Reddick. And I think when the season's said and done, I think he's only saying he's going to get a charter and then it's actually not going to happen. And they're either going to make Reddick race for qualifying in all the time, or they'll just make Toyota like buy him outright for the year early and then he shows up to either 2311 and they get a third charter he could take over the 18 i guess but ty gibbs is definitely taking over the 18 so that really doesn't fit it leaves a very interesting dynamic for tyler reddick and i wonder if he's regretting it by potentially shooting himself in the foot by taking a deal for 2024 so early and announcing it like two years early when you knew you had a team option coming or did he know about Kyle Busch coming like way before anybody else did? And that's why he announced it in the first place, right? Like maybe he knew a long time ago, oh shoot, Kyle Busch is coming. I got to figure out what I'm doing for my future and just got antsy and then signed it right away. So huge, huge question marks for Reddick, which is sad because I like Reddick. I like seeing him develop as a driver right now. So I don't know where this leads him. Yeah, I mean, there's you just brought up a lot of great topics and I could, I could spend days talking about either one of them, any one of them. The one I want to focus on though, um, is you mentioned that, you know, RCR kind of said, yeah, we have, we're, we're going to be looking for a third charter or whatever. Um, but someone actually asked him that question, like, Hey, like, why not just cut the, cut a deal, um, you know, buy out the contract. So you only have to worry about funding two cars instead of three. And he kind of, like, kind of, he like so softballed the question like you just kind of like oh our intention right now is to race and it's mm -hmm. like all right i didn't answer any questions like you didn't even answer if you're going to go after a third charter um how much are you willing to spend on a third charter or are you just going to try to have reddick race his way in every week um which i could totally see them doing that 
I don't think it would be that problematic for him. But no, he would make it like every week unless he problem, had like a prac, like a crash and qualifying, and that's it. But if he misses, a, if he misses even one race because he, he crashes in qualifying, I, use the Daytona 500 as an example. I mean, I think they would make it in on raw speed. But if something goes wrong, yeah, he doesn't qualify for the Daytona 500. He's not running for the championship anymore. NASCAR is nope. not going to give him a waiver for that. That's that's a racing thing. That's not a health thing. So um, that presents a really interesting dynamic at RCR. And I, I almost wonder, are they going to have him run an affiliate car um, either in the Cup Series or have him run in an affiliate car in the Xfinity Series? I mean, I, I could even argue that it kind of screws over Toyota a little more because now if they have a driver that gets stuck at RCR in a non-charter car like that, and you have your driver that's supposed to be taking the reins for you at 2311 and 2024, and he's missing out on races and not getting playoff a potential. Like, what is that going to do for Toyota? Yeah, they know his potential. Yeah, they know he can be great, but it doesn't sit right with me knowing that, like, I have a guy coming on in 2024 that has to, like, drive his way in every week, which is why I lean way more to the side of RCR is going to strongly. Um, show their hand to make Tyler Reddick be bought out by Toyota and Toyota will have to figure out something for him a year early. Yeah, I think um, I could see that, but I could also see, I I almost think that Chevy has a hand in this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think this is all RCR. I wonder if Chevy went to RCR and said, Hey, we know we get it. You have to fill a seat, but uh, we want to keep Tyler Reddick in the, in the Chevy camp for as long as possible. So I wonder if there's multiple parties at play here. Yeah. Um, and plus you have sponsorship. You got to keep your sponsorship happy. Um, and you don't want to lose that sponsorship because you put Tyler Reddick out of a car. And I'm uh, sure the sponsorship really likes Reddick after he's finally showing his worth and winning absolutely. a lot of races. And, but, but if you keep, okay. So if you have, if you have Tyler Reddick and Kyle Busch on the same team, you have a, that's a championship caliber team. You could put yeah, two drivers in the top eight. I don't know about Austin Dillon, but you could put <laughs> two drivers in the top eight. Like, it's so bad we always bash Dylan. Like, I, I don't like him, right? I don't like him driving the three because I'm a traditionalist when it comes to the three car. But the dude does still have a decent average finish throughout the year. He's still one of the most consistent guys out there. He'll be running, like, a top 15 average finish for the season and things like that. But Kyle Busch and Reddick on the same team when two Chevys that have been coming powerhouses with this new car this year, that's a force. That's a really good team. I mean, the opportunity for them to lean on each other and learn new things. Um, and I think Reddick has more to offer about the new car, where I think Kyle Busch has more to offer as far as, um, you know, racing for almost, what, 17 years now? Some, I mean, somewhere 17, 17 with Joe Gibbs or 15 with Joe Gibbs. And then okay. you however many with Hendrick and then so on and so forth. Yeah, I don't know exactly when his rookie year was, but yeah, we're getting up there. I mean, we're getting close to 20. Uh, I think they could also lean on each other very well for another situation. Reddick's going to the Toyota camp. Yeah. Bush is coming to the Chevy camp. Yeah. Right? If they lean on each other for a year, they can both learn the inside and outs and then both make their teams better once they um, part ways after 2023 season, if Reddick is still there. I don't know. You know my text that I sent you like a couple weeks ago where I had my crazy plan that 2311 buys a third charter and then they get Reddick early. I'm still holding that plan. I still think Reddick comes to 2311 a year early, but they can lean on each other so well and learn from each other so much from Kyle Busch being in Toyota for 
15 years with Joe Gibbs. Reddick hasn't been around that long, but being in the Chevy camp, getting Hendrick information too, that could help out Kyle Busch just as much. So. Yeah, I, I don't know how much <clears throat> I, I don't know how much of that conversation is going to be about Toyota um, between them. Like, I just have a hard time believing they're going to be. I, I don't think it's going to be up front. It would just be more like tongue in cheek, you know, like it would be kind of like subliminal messages and like Kyle Busch won't outright say things, but he'll hint at some things. And Reddick just has to be smart enough to pick up if that conversation even happens. It's mm-hmm. not going to be outright, though. They're not going to be talking about Toyotas all the time because they're racing in Chevys. They need to win championships in that. So interesting, <clears throat> though, um, or maybe not so interesting, but when when Tyler Reddick goes over to Toyota, he'll have driven for all three manufacturers in the yeah. um, national national series. So <clears throat> when he was back in truck, he was driving for Brad Kozlowski Racing. Um, yeah. in, in Xfinity, he was driving Chevy. And then for Richard Childers, obviously. And then um, when he went to Cup, he's he was driving Chevy again, obviously. So um, cool, kind of cool to see that he'll be driving um toyota for the first time but he'll he'll complete the the trifecta i mean he also drove drove for junior motorsports um yeah as well or sorry <clears throat> now we just need dodge to come back in and he'll have to go for the quadruple yeah and try I'm, and find a dodge i'm actually looking back at k&n and seeing like what he raced <laughs> just uh, to see what he was able to actually get put in i don't think k&n yeah. had that much of a differentiation but it's going to be interesting with that dynamic. I'm excited to see what happens. Um, I like the move to Kyle Busch being RCR. It really didn't shock me that much, to be honest, because I knew he wasn't saying it. Joe Gibbs, and it's cemented for me when I forget who put it on Twitter. It was um, here it is. Alan Kamana this week. put it out on Twitter during they had a question and answer with Kyle Busch after he signed up with RCR. And Alan Cavana asked the question of, were you ever informed the 18 was not an option for you next year? And Kyle Bush answered with, yes, I was. So he was informed at some point that the 18 was no longer going to be an option for him, whether that means it was his decision or Joe Gibbs decided, you know what? I got Ty Gibbs coming in the background. If you're going to move, now's the time to do it kind of situation. So him moving around does not shock me that much. And I think it's really funny how RCR is going full-blown with Kyle Busch now. Gave him a watch for no hard feelings as a signing bonus, telling him that Brexton gets a future ride whenever he wants. Like I think that's it's good for RCR. I'm excited to see RCR be competitive once again. I think it's healthy for the sport to have these teams finally bulk themselves up like that. So it should be very exciting to see what happens. Yeah. It almost feels like RCR's been just saving his money for 10 years, and now he's ready to go off again. Um, yeah. This is probably the first time he's had a very experienced vet since Kevin Harvick. Um, so to have a caliber driver like Kyle Busch, I think it's going to be a really good situation for both of them. I think um, Kyle Busch might have needed the change of um, scenery to kind of challenge himself again. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think he almost got too complacent at Toyota. I think him, he stopped running Xfinity Series races. He stopped running Truck Series races. Um, I mean, I know he still runs them on occasion, but I think he just got a little complacent. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how he runs in the Chevy, and and um, you know the whole dynamic there. But one final question I have for you about this: Do you think Kyle Busch will elevate 
Dylan at all at any point, or do you think Dylan will still kind of stay the same? Um, they yeah. are really good. They are really good friends. Shit. And the way Kyle Bush even got talking to RCR was because of Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon's actually the one that manufactured and got Kyle Bush to even have an interview and things like that with RCR. So the fact that they're already good friends, is it possible that Austin Dillon gets a little bit elevated? I'm not saying crazy. I'm not saying like top five all the time, but like maybe he's a little more consistent with top tens, right? I'm uh, not sure. I, you know, I, I, I don't think so. I could be completely wrong here, um, and he could prove me wrong next year. I don't think so, and the reason I say that it's because Austin Dillon, he, he, it's not like he's a newer driver. It's not like he's a rookie. It's not like this is his third or fourth year in the series. Um, and yeah, I just feel a like while. when you're when you've been here for so long, you become less malleable. Um, and if he couldn't learn a crazy amount, I, although I don't know, I, I guess Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick did lean on each other a little bit. Tyler Reddick was teaching him how to get some speed, whereas Austin Dillon was teaching him how to run more consistently. He also never really had um, a veteran with him, right? Like Tyler Reddick's not a veteran. He That's never true. had an actual veteran guy to tell him, like, this is how you should be racing, and this is what you could do differently in the car. And, like, little minor tweaks could potentially get him there. I'm not saying anything crazy, but I think it would elevate Dillon just enough to be a little bit more consistent with top 10s. Yeah, and things like that. Not contending for wins or championships, but at least be better overall. Yeah, I guess time will tell, but um, my <laughs> my gut tells me we're not going to see that drastically. <laughs> but better owner than driver. Wrong. I could be wrong. Um, you know, also with this news, Kyle Busch, they're they have plans to move KBM to a Chevy team, um, which is interesting. I guess that's really not something we can dive too deep into because we don't know the details yet. Um, no, there's no details yet. Bob Prakis has been doing stuff on Twitter talking about it, right? What was interesting for me was John Hunter Nemechek, um, one of the Toyota drivers that's been racing for Kyle Busch Motorsports in the trucks for so long. Yeah. Now that they're switching, Toyota has to find a ride for him now. And they're like, I yeah. don't know where Toyota's going to put him, like, at all. Yeah. It's going to be I, really tough for Toyota and their development pool, I think. I think you're going to see an influx, and we're going to see a lot of movement in the Xfinity series. Um, and I think you're going to see some people who have been in Xfinity rides for a long time kind of lose their rides. And it's just the nature of doing business in, in NASCAR. But, um, like, that's another one time will tell. I mean, we really can't sit here and kind of guess too much just because like there's so many moving pieces that we don't even understand or see yeah um but yeah i mean let's just transition over to the cup race uh kansas bubble wallace won his second cup race um his first non-restricted plate track um and, and he did it by leading the last 60 so laps or so his car uh, was fast all day, too. His car was fast. He was actually getting run down by his owner, Denny Hamlin, in the 11 <laughs> car, um, which created a really interesting dynamic. But one of the major takeaways from here is what a genius move by 2311 because it just paid off. The, the whole switch for the owner's championship just paid off. Yeah. Because that now that's probably, that puts car, them at first now. They're in first in the standings right now in the, in the owner standings, um, and they're obviously in the round of 12 now. Uh, and obviously he just scored those those playoff points as well so it'll help him move move over to the round of 8 as well but god what a what a great move by 2311 and it paid off here 
um, at Kansas. What I just I can't even put into words how impressive it was. Um, and then you couple in the fact I, that the Twitter the Twitter warriors were all saying, "Oh, he had Kerpush's car." No, like it's he his had, team. He had Bubba's they literally Bubba's just car. they literally just switched the number. Bubba's number to the forty five. It's the same exact team. Yep. It's people like that with the Twitter wars like annoy the crap out of me because I'm like, you're clearly not understanding like what happens in the sport and you're not keeping up with the sport at all. You just tune in every Sunday to be like, oh, here's the race. I am so happy for Bubba to win a non-plate race because I feel like it can finally – it's not going to shut everybody up, but he's showing how good of a driver he is. And I always thought he would be a decent driver in these scenarios. And he's had – surprising consistency since they had the crew chief or not crew chief the uh, crew swap with a few tire changers with bell christopher bell's team in the 20 had a few guys switch over to bubba's team and bubba switched a few guys over to christopher bell's team and ever since then on july 6 bubba's had an average finish of 10.1 which is actually the best since july 6 in the entire cup so bubba is the most consistent best averaging finishing driver and I feel like that should shut a lot of people up about him, but it's obviously not going to, right? So I mean, I'm very happy for Bubba. I'm glad he's finally doing this. I always had a soft spot for him and helps out tremendously that he's finally doing good. So his stats over the last – I'm looking at his last eight weeks right now. They're, they're almost – like they're the top of the series. Like if he had, if he had won a race earlier in the year – he would be like be a, round of eight, round of twelve like, right now. He'd he'd be around twelve. Well, obviously he'd be around a twelve lock, but I would I would make the case that he would be contending for the round of eight easily. Um yeah. over the last last eight weeks, he has obviously a win. He has three top fives and five top tens in eight races. Um That's the most that 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 ties for the lead in top tens over the last eight races. He ties that with Christopher Bell, Joey Logano. Tyler Reddick and Truex. Um, if you look at average finish, he ranks okay. Well, David Reagan doesn't count, and Almendinger doesn't count. Um, he <laughs> ranks second after Bubba Wallace, and that, or sorry, he ranks second after Joey Logano in that category. Wow. Logano has an average finish of nine point zero over the last eight races, whereas Bubba Wallace is at ten and a half. Um, and then if you look at laps led, I mean, obviously he's not super high on that metric. But he he's eighth. I think that would surprise a lot of people to find out that he's eighth on that list. He's only one lap behind Tyler Reddick, three laps behind Kevin Harvick, and only ten laps behind Denny Hamlin, who it feels like he's been leading every race. Um, so, God, that was that's a big win for his career. Um, that's a big win for twenty three eleven, and uh, you know I'm I'm really impressed at this point. It should make him feel super confident to be a first year team and have this much success with. Bubba and it's not like it's his first time actually getting here he's had multiple races in the summer I forget where he finished second but he almost had that win at um where was that second race that he almost had it I forget which race it was but he was finishing second in that race and literally had first he just got ran down unfortunate for him but Mm -hmm. it's so impressive 2311 is able to do this and it should feel great for them to have a system in place now where you have Bubba finally coming into his own and you will still have technically Kurt Busch if he comes back next year. Obviously, he should be able to drive next year. 
and we'll see where that goes after that. And then you'll just replace him with Tyler Reddick. And now you're going to have a dynamic duo between Bubba and Reddick. And if Bubba keeps up this pace and Reddick keeps up his pace, that's a really good two team, uh, two car team. So I'm hoping they can continue that moving forward. And I love seeing Bubba do well, especially since his side note, his spotter is Freddie Kraft. And Freddie Kraft was the spotter for Jimmy Blewett during the modified series. And my dad was crew chief for Jimmy Blewett. So I'm just throwing out a plug in there. I I love it. Kind of know. I haven't really met Freddie Kraft. I probably did when I was like 12. I don't remember. Um, But he's been around. He's, it's, I, that's why I have a soft spot for Bubba too. Cause like seeing Freddie be able to be at the cup level, be on a cup team and be a spotter for a guy that's finally winning, it's awesome. So, very happy for that team. I hope 2311 can carry it, and that should give Bubba huge confidence for what he can do next year for playoff runs. And, you know, um, not to transition away from Bubba, but to transition away from Bubba, um, it, it was a pretty, uh, uh, another shakeup week in, in the Cup Series. Uh, Kevin Harvick, really disappointing finish for me. Uh, yeah, I thought about that after last week's episode where you were like, oh, Kevin Harvick's going to do good again. Yeah, a bit bit embarrassing. I'm a little embarrassed. You know, this is just the tail of the tape for me this season. I just can't seem to predict anything. You can't get the right guy. Even in your fantasy (laughs) picks, you can't get the right guys. It's just, it's crumbling in your very eyes right now. You know what's, you know what's even worse about it? He only has 2017 points. Yeah, that's a big... To put that in perspective, when they reset, they start with 2,000 before they get their bonus points. I don't know how many bonus points he had, but he had like at least, what, at least six or seven. Maybe he even had 13. I don't know. But he only has 2017 now, which means over the last two races, he's gotten like 10 points at max, like at max, which is abysmal. That's so bad. And now he's so, in the situation where he has to win at Bristol. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, he he seemed pretty confident after um, his his um, you know interview after his wreck. Um, Rodney yeah. Childers actually said, well, it didn't say, but it's actually his 600th race this week. So maybe there's a little bit of uh, magic in the air for them, but they're going to need a win to get in. Um, there's they there's no other way to do it, in my opinion. Um, 34, 35 points back from the cut line. No, they literally have to win to get in unless yeah. they did, like, unless, like, half the field wrecks, which yeah. is in Daytona, it's Bristol. I mean, um, so. unless Sindrick, yeah, I mean, like you said, they would need half the field to wreck. He they would need Kyle Busch to wreck, Dylan, Sindrick, or not Kyle, yeah, Kyle Busch technically. Yeah. He's on the cutoff, but I, Kyle Busch is making it. I hope I don't jinx him. But Oh, I think you just jinxed him. Hang on, let me review our teams. I don't know who <laughs> on. He's on mine, I think. Is he on yours? All right, so Kyle, sure Bush, Kyle Bush is on um, on your team. Yeah, I have Harvick, so I, I need a win. I need yeah, a big just, win. But to carry out with Harvick in the playoff standings, I did take a peek at his um, Bristol stats when they ran on the pavement in the last two years. Oh, God. And he started in 2020, started fourth, won the race in 2020 at Bristol. He started eighth in 2021, finished second at Bristol. So the last two years, he's finished first and second. Obviously, the third year in 2020, the first time around, because there wasn't, was it dirt in 2020 yet? It wasn't, right? 
This, uh, is, the second, this is the second year of dirt at Bristol. Yeah, 2021 was the first year. So 2020, in the first Bristol race, he finished 11th. So his last three races, top 15s, with two of them being first and second. The four car can get it done at Bristol. They just need to... I don't like having them have to bring their A game like this, but they can do it. It's very possible. Harvick's going to bring it for himself at Bristol. Look for him to have a good qualifying run and good practice run, and we'll see what it brings him to. But he's going to be fighting for a win the entire the entire night, and that's not fun at a short track. But uh, there's something about this damn playoff format and drivers being clutch when it matters. We've seen it, it is. time and time again where a driver who needs to win to get in somehow gets it done. It feels like every year it's from Logano. <laughs> Um, it literally every year it feels like it's Joey Logano, but, uh, maybe this year it's Kevin Harvick in the round of, of, of 16. And, it, you know, it really does feel like if he gets through this, if he can find a way through this, he is destined, destined for that final four. But I, yeah, I he wrong. is. I could be wrong. I think I would actually finally jump on your bandwagon or agree with you. If he can I somehow mean, get through, the, if he can get through, the jaws of defeat here and make up all those points and get a win and then get into the round of 12. I think he has potential to go on a tear. It would um, be miraculous. It would be. And I think it's very possible for him just depending on what other drivers will have left moving forward. Um, and hopefully it's Kevin Harvick this time around. <clears throat> but other than that, you mentioned Joey Logano. He probably won't be the one to win. He's really good at short tracks. He could win mm -hmm. the Bristol. But he's he's pretty secured in the points. Christopher Bell yeah. is actually the only driver locked in moving yep. into the round of 12. So he can completely wreck out at Bristol for anybody that doesn't know. If he wrecks out entirely, it doesn't matter. Christopher Bell is making it into the round of 12. It will put yep. him in a worse spot, but he's making it out. Um, yeah. Other than that, I'm very happy to see as a Bowman fan and as a Hendrick fan overall, very happy to see other 24 and the 48 bounce back in these first two races after having an abysmal summer. Bowman didn't have any top tens over the summer and neither did Byron. They were awful in the summer. It was to a point where I wasn't even picking them in fantasy. And like, it's like, you can't pick these guys because they're so unreliant and they really stepped it up. Their crew did a great job. These first two races to make it very comfortable. Byron's in second with 2,098 points. Bowman's in six with 2,080 points and moved up four spots. That's big for their teams. Like all they need to do is just run like a top 25 car. Don't wreck out and you advance. So. Yeah. I mean, it's Bristol. Anything could happen, but you almost feel like everyone who's in the top nine. So that's a uh, 26 points above the cut line and, and higher are, are pretty much not locked, but they would need a lot to go wrong for them to fall yeah, out. Um, those, those drivers include Christopher Bell, William Byron, who is a bit, a bit of a surprise for me being that high up. Um, Denny Hamlin in third, Joe Logano in fourth, Blaney in fifth, Bowman in sixth, Elliott in seventh, Larson in eighth, and Chastain in ninth. Um, after that, it gets a little tighter. You have Daniel Soares six points above the cut line. Um, I, I if I recall correctly, I said he was going to make it, but as far as you did, yeah, you said you'd Suarez would make it. I feel pretty good about that. I said, I, I said, I said the 48 for Bowman and Suarez with you, and then you differed in Bowman. I think you said Cindric over Alex Bowman. Okay. That's that's where you differed with me. Well, right now, both Cindric and Reddick are two points above the cut line. It's a little scary for, for Tyler Reddick um, and Cindric, I mean. Who are both not very good at short tracks. They're okay, but yeah, they're, they're going to uh, need better performances than what they 
their average finishes are. They're not making it if they run like their normal finishes. Yeah. I mean, especially when you consider the fact that you have Kyle Busch two points back, and this is one of one, if not his best track. Um, I mean, you have Kevin Harvick fighting for a win. So, yeah, Kevin Harvick, who you expect to be going guns out for um, victory. Uh, I know we don't normally talk about it um, in the Xfinity and Truck Series side, but I just kind of want to run through it briefly. Um, so the regular season finale is is this week um, in the Xfinity Series. Right mm-hmm. now we have X, we have sorry, not Xfinity. We have AJ Allmendinger leading the points, um, and then you have a slew of drivers in there. Um, but I really want to focus on the Truck Series actually. So. This starts the round of eight for the truck series. Yep. And at the top, you have John Hunter Nemechek. Um, or sorry, not John Nemechek. Um, Zane Smith at the top. And then you have a, two KBM drivers um, in the 99. So that should be a really interesting race um, for over the next three weeks because they have Bristol, Talladega, and Miami in their round of eight. Yeah, um, that's that's a very good uh structure to have for three more races in the round of eight like that's super exciting those three races to like kind of decide who moves on that's very entertaining yeah i mean you really can't ask for better <laughs> three racetracks i mean bristol is i'm just i just realized bristol spelled wrong there um bristol yeah, <laughs> great results um especially in the truck series i mean what a fun track talladega well it's talladega and i love homestead um it's probably one of my favorite intermediate tracks and I think it just creates the best racing at the cup level, but that's just me. Um, I mm. think it'll be the championship race, but that's a debate for a few weeks from now when we move over to Phoenix and we yep. discuss, you know, everything going on over there. Um, the 2023 NASCAR schedule was released. Um, that is interesting to say the least um it pretty much stays the same yeah nothing too crazy it's like the stuff we knew was coming is there right so to give a little preference um to start the cup playoffs stay the exact same the 10 races we have in the playoffs this year for 2022 are staying the exact same for 2023 um i do enjoy this format a lot i have one complaint about it i hate texas i don't think it should be a playoff track i agree at all that's the only agree. problem with it. I don't think Texas should be in there. I don't really think Texas should have a date at all because it just not it has not produced any fun racing. But the only two main changes, right, is um uh which one Texas. was it? He's yeah, like, cut, Texas. cut Texas entirely. All they oh, needed boy. really was Bowman to win there, and then it would have been gone. Because for fans that don't know, every time Bowman won at a race, they cut it from the schedule, like Chicago Land, and then when Bowman finally won at Dover again, it lost its second date. It's it's just it's just comical at this point with Bowman. If he wins at a track that's like borderline, it gets cut. So hopefully Bowman can win at Texas in the playoffs and be like, oh crap, maybe we shouldn't have this track anymore. It's anyway, crazy. Bowman wins boring races. That's crazy. He does. That's when he gets the most dominant. <laughs> um, oh god. So the uh, so what. Um, the most the changes we saw right the circuit of the no not not coda what's the other one road america road america is the one that got cut from the schedule um that being said it is getting replaced on the same weekend it's fourth of july weekend 
it's getting replaced with the Chicago Street Course. I don't know how I feel about it yet. I'm gonna like hold judgment until I actually see cup cars on a, a street course. I think it's cool, but like that's all I really think about it. It's like, uh-huh. oh, okay. I don't know how this is gonna be a point race. If I'm being honest, I don't think cup cars are meant to be in streets, but we will see how that goes. I will hold my judgment. If you have any more, I'll let you go after the second point I'd like to add in. Okay. Um, and the only other change to the cup schedule then is North Wilkesboro Speedway is getting added to the cup schedule for the all-star race. So, John, it looks like you have some opinions for the uh, Chicago Street Course. I'll let you go first, and then I'll go into the all-star race. Oh boy, where do I begin? Where can I start? Number one, why Chicago? Like you couldn't pick a better city. Nothing wrong with Chicago. I love Chicago. Never been there, but I love Chicago. But you you pick one of the cities with the highest crime rates. Like what what I get it's fourth of July weekend. There will be security, whatever, but like why are you subjecting your fans? That's also another problem for me is doing it on fourth of July weekend in a city. Are you stupid? That's yeah, going mean, to that create so much congestion for the city. Oh my God, and right. most of the people around it are going to hate it. That's number one. Um, I just think you could have, I mean, you could have done it on long, on long beach. You could have done it. So many other iconic like beach cities, but like 4th of July weekend. And who wants to be in Chicago on 4th of July weekend? Like, like there's no beach. Lot. There's no, not, and, there's nothing to and, do. It's a city. Like, like exactly. Like, Fourth of July weekend, it's supposed to be like a country kind of thing where like you have you go to a beach or you, you go out to a field and you drink beer. And instead, people are going to be walking down the concrete jungle of Chicago, looking at the Chicago River, whatever the hell that river is called, and, and hearing race cars go by them and only seeing them once every minute, minute or so. It's actually yeah. a relatively short track. That's the next issue. The The format is it's no good. The, the, I actually mean, haven't seen the format for it at all. I've so not seen want, what the course looks like. They did it on iRacing, um, and they erased it, and it was a bit of a shit show on iRacing. So then they said, oh, let's just do it in real life and see how much of a shit show is there. Um, so it's going to be great. It's going to be an awesome, awesome the issue, race. The issue, hang on. I'm going to pull up the course map, um, or at least the proposed course map for what they say it's going to be. It's also um, going to annoy me too for fantasy that week. Like for if you're a fantasy player like us, that's going to be such an awful week. You're going to be like, I don't know who to play because it's like, yeah, it's a road course and it, but it's a street course. You don't know what can happen. It's not going to be, dude. Not you're going to, you're literally going to hate this. Like I'm going to send it to you in the chat right now. Okay. Um, the problem is there's like literally one, two, three. Four, five, six. Hang on, let me start again. One, two, <laughs> three, four, five, six, seven, 90 degree turns. 90 degrees? 90 degree. There's seven of them. There is seven of them. Are Here, they spaced out well enough or is it? I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll find out. Oh, it's just going to be, you're making me like, not hold my judgment anymore. You're oh, you, it like yeah. really... there's there's 90 degree turns in a cup car. Like they don't turn. No. I mean, look at how bad the Indy road course is. They all just send it into the first turn. Go look oh, at this. This is awful. This is disgusting. It's literally just a figure eight without the figure eight. Like they just don't cross. What did they do? Uh, it they couldn't pick like a couple different blocks to make this look better. 
I wish Spotify would allow us to have video sometimes so they could see like what my face looks like right now on. Oh, this is awful. 12 12 (laughs) turns total. There's one. Oh my God. There's so many 90 degrees. They're going to be just like not forcing track limits. They're just going to be like moving around like crazy. And they'll be like, eh, it's fine. It's whatever. But this is like the most boring course of all time. Like, Okay, I know it's a street course, so you'll have, like, wider areas and stuff like that or whatever. But, like, you're literally doing basically the same straightaway three different times, and then you have a different one once. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, the same course. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be easier for the drivers, I guess, but I I don't know. We're going to see. We're going to see. We're gonna, it's a year from now. It's We're going we'll, to hate it. We'll be in the backyard somewhere watching it and being like, oh, my fantasy is under 100 points this week, and this race sucks. I'm going in the pool and enjoying the rest of my 4th of July and not watching this anymore. <laughs> that's probably what's going to happen. So that's 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 brutal. Um, any other complaints about it besides that? Um, I mean... No. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll have other ones. <laughs> They'll it's, come to you eventually. It's just, I why Chicago? Why Chicago? I don't know. You could have went anywhere. I, I don't guess there's a market. I don't hate the idea of doing a street course because I kind of I want to see one for a long time. But I mean, if you want Chicago, add Chicago Land back. I mean, it's not Chicago that bad. Chicago Land, such a fun track. Drop one of the Texas dates and add Chicago Land. Uh, yeah, I take that. Does Texas have two dates still? Or? No, next year it's only going to be one. So that's another thing, right? So that's only going to be Texas will only have one, and it will be in the playoffs. Um, and I pretty much that's like the only other change. There were a few changes sprinkled in for yeah. trucks and Xfinity. Like yeah. trucks gets the Milwaukee Mile. Trucks that's very cool. Going, I love that. Trucks are actually going to race at North Wilkesboro as well for a point race, which I think is very fun. Um, I love the all-star race being at North Wilkesboro. I think that is fantastic. I think it's going to be like a NASCAR field of dreams-esque event because North Wilkesboro has so much history for people that don't know. It's like one of the OG short tracks in the sport has a very unique track system where it has a slight downhill front stretch and a slight uphill back stretch. And it produces some really fun racing. It's a 0.6 mile course um oval obviously and i'm so excited to see cup cars on it again my dad was a little not so excited he was like oh that place is a crap hole it's been like that for a while now and i'm like well it's an all-star race where drivers are just racing for a million dollars so who cares let's make it exciting it's going to be a fun event so i'm super excited for north wilkesboro i'm excited to see trucks actually racing a point race there um other than that the i think the most important thing for us to note too is it's going to be the final race and the two-mile layout at Auto Club Speedway in Southern California. So for fans that don't know, they're reconfiguring that track. No one actually knows what it's going to look like after this. <laughs> so we don't know if it turns no, into a worry. short track, if it turns into an intermediate. Who knows what it turns into? But the two-mile layout, I was gone after this, and NASCAR will not be coming back to the current layout on Auto Club Speedway. I've heard rumors so far that they want to turn into a short track. I guess I'm okay with it. I mean, short tracks right now is just Martinsville. Yeah, I just oh, I and it's it. like I don't know. I don't, I, I, no. I don't know what else they turn it into. As long as it's not another cookie cutter 
Like, here's no, a lot I, of high banking and a lot of drag. Yeah, it produces fun racing. It Dude. produces fun racing, right? Atlanta's fun to watch. It's super exciting. But I don't need that every race. I like when tracks have variety. I, th- I think it's really cool when tracks have their own character and it produces their own style of racing. So hopefully they don't go the high banking route. I actually don't. Auto Club Speedway is not owned by, uh, what's it called? They're not owned by SMI, right? I don't think they are. I hope they um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't so know. hopefully they're not. But that's pretty much the only other change. Xfinity is going to be racing at Sonoma for the first time. And pretty, pretty, that's that's the schedule. Not much has changed besides Chicagoland, or, or not Chicagoland, Chicago Street Course coming in and North Wilkesboro being in the all-star race. So one positive for the all-star race, one negative for a street race, as we have shown with our negative opinions about it so far. Um. <sighs> To kind of close it out before we get into the next race here at Bristol, viewership has gone down once again. I think this was a given, um, right? It's the first Sunday of NFL football. Yeah. And NASCAR's running at three o'clock. Obviously, viewership's going to go down, right? I think this number of Kansas had 1.87 million viewers. That's so bad. That, that number was right around where it was last year. Not at Kansas, but at the same time when the NFL started, it was right around the same number. So. It happens. Yeah, it's just like, how do you work around that? Like, I like I honest, know, I don't honestly, you really can't. The NFL controls like a lot of fans watch that. It has mil- like hundreds of millions of people watch every week. Yeah. It's not you can't compete with that. So for them to even be close to two million, I think it's a success. It also doesn't help with NBC putting IndyCar on at the same exact time. So any ounce of racing fan that actually wanted to watch racing over football, who's not like me or you that has like t- three TVs going and a laptop going of like four different sporting events. Yeah. If they had to choose between Indy or NASCAR, it's tough for them. So NBC and their infinite wisdom owning USA and NBC decided to put IndyCar on at three o'clock and also the cup race on USA at three o'clock at the same time. So also not helping their cause in that scenario there. Nothing we can really do. NFL is king. So... Huh, I mean, the only thing I can think of maybe, and I don't think it's feasible, is just finding a way, especially on opening weekend, to put your cup race on a Saturday. Um, yeah, but they didn't like their Saturday viewership. Saturday's even worse because no one's like home to yeah, do no anything. Like we're going to yeah, see I that know. with Bristol t- this Saturday night. Bristol's on at Saturday night. I guarantee mm-hmm. the numbers are not going to be good. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. But, all right, transitioning into Bristol, you know, speak of the devil. Um, we, I know I had Kyle Larson a few weeks ago. but To win Bristol? To win Bristol. I picked him a couple weeks ago, right? Didn't I, pick I, Kyle think, I think you did. This you, I, don't, I don't remember who I picked. I got to be honest. Come on, dude. Come on. Hang on. You picked a Toyota or you had – you went – Chevy, Toyota, Ford, or like something like that. I did go to a Ford. You're right. I think it was either Harvick or Logano. You said Logano. I really I want to because Logano's been great on short tracks, and I'll probably stick to it. He's been great there as well at Bristol. So he's all been right. Well, uh, tracks this year. If you're going him, I'm going to switch my driver. Oh, I'm not. A, I'm not a Kyle Larson believer. I'm going to go Christopher Bell. Christopher he Bell. Has, he has been really, really strong on short tracks recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprisingly actually... this year as well. Um, I think Larson won Bristol last year. I thought 
at the uh, – he did. He won Bristol in the playoffs last year. Obviously a different car. He started mm-hmm. fifth. Larson. Larson won Bristol on the pavement last year. Huh. So interesting to think about because when we think about short tracks, we don't think about Larson. Like, yeah, Larson's good on everything, but when you look at his intermediates compared to his short track racing, it's like not on par with his intermediates. Still great at short tracks, but he's not the same level as he is on his intermediates or even kind of road course racing a little now as well. So he did finish first Bristol last year in the playoffs. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens with Larson. Maybe I'm making you question your pick a little bit. No, I am I, questioning my pick. I, I do like Bell though. I think you have to ride the hot hand here. I, I think oh, like man. even I think even though like Larson has the history there, the new car has been different. And what I've noticed a lot in fantasy is I've kind of thrown history a little bit out the window and really have just been looking at like who has put the most consistent laps in this year on this new car. And Christopher Bell has done that. Christopher well, Bell was great the last two weeks. Fair, but if I'm going to ride the hot hand, I should be riding Denny Hamlin. He's been you slowly, should be. slowly piecing up. a quality championship run. Denny's always good at Bristol, too. So, is he not? I mean, I'm sure he's good there, dude. Come on. He's Denny freaking Hamlin. He's been around for so long. He's good at short track racing. He can do whatever he needs to. Um, but that doesn't mean he's good at it at Bristol. Yeah, but you're saying the hot hand. You got to ride the hot hand a little bit. All right. I'm riding the hot hand. Denny Hamlin at Bristol over the past 10 races. Average finish 9.7. That's pretty good. Oh, gee. It's almost like I know something about hey, the you sport. Don't you don't know nothing. <laughs> it's not even my driver. and I know more about him than you. This is appalling. Sad. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. All right. Um. What are your overall expectations for the race going in? Um, do you kind of expect to see another non-playoff driver win? Like, is that a possibility? I got to make a statement on that, too. I love the new car. I think it's fantastic that the new car is... It's No, but it's going to come back to topic, trust me. The new car making it so that non-playoff drivers are winning during the playoffs is big for me. Like, it is so cool to see that. Like, how many years, like, the last, like, three or four years, even when you got to the championship four, it was, like, like last year's race was, like, the championship four racing, and that was it. Nobody else was, like, in contention for winning that race. Everybody just had cars tuned up for those championship four, and that was it. Yeah. But this new card showing you, like, oh, shoot, Bubba Wallace won. Eric Jones wins. Me, personally, I think it's going to be a playoff driver winning. Um. And honestly, my pick is Denny Hamlin to win this race. Wow. Um, I just think he has something to – not something to prove. I just for lack of word, I, I just think he's going to have – it's a feeling I have. I think he's just going to be pretty decent um, at Bristol. And I think there's going to be a ton of theatrics for Bristol for the cutoff race because it has produced many theatrics. And I am so here for it. I am so ready Saturday night to have some – playoff implications as who says that on the broadcast all the time for NBC. I forget uh, who it is. Whatever commentator it is. Like Rick Atmart. No, it's not Latart. It's the other guy that's not Junior Burton. Rick Allen? No. I don't know. He's He always goes, major playoff implications. And there's going to be a lot of those, especially if Harvick doesn't get anywhere close to winning. Huge playoff implication. And Cindric and Reddick being only two above, huge for them. 
Kyle Busch being too below. Kyle Busch is really good at short tracks, especially at Bristol. There's going to be a lot of bumping. There's not going to be a lot of clean passing. It's going to be a lot of bumping. Who's and... putting Chastain in the wall? That's my well, Who's doing it? Who's going to Depends what happens in the race and depends where the qualifying goes. He's going to set somebody off. Dude. It's going to be a Toyota. It's, it's going to be a Toyota. You think it's going to be a Toyota? Is it Kyle yeah. Busch that screw it? I'm like going to Chevy anyway. Like, I mean, just um, farewell. Farewell, to Toyota. Honestly, I don't think Kyle Busch has any intention to do it. Chastain hasn't done anything to Kyle Busch besides messing with his teammates. I could see Truex doing something or Denny Hamlin doing something. Oh, I could see Truex doing it. So I could, I can see Truex doing it easily, being like, well, I'm not in the playoffs. Screw you. And just like dump him. That would be great. I don't know <laughs> if Denny will want to do it like right now. No, he wouldn't. Like, it's just not a good time for Denny, but I could totally see Truex doing it. Um, we did have some beef between Soares and Christopher Bell on track last week. I'm curious yeah. to see if that turns into anything. I don't think it will. I really don't think it will. Um, but we'll see. There's a lot of drama to watch in the track. <laughs> and that's uh, you know, awesome for the viewers, awesome for NASCAR. Oh, it's um, gonna be it's gonna be such a fun race. It's gonna be a great race. into a cutoff race on a Saturday night, which is perfect for us who want to watch um, football, football on Sundays. On Sundays. <laughs> so I'm hyped. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Should be good. But that'll do it for this episode of the Tight on a Cherry Racing Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you next week, right after Bristol. Well, I guess midweek after Bristol, as we recap the week. And look forward to what races after that, Alex. Do you know? Um, let me ah, check real quick. Uh, I have no ah, idea. It's a stuttering effect now. Oh, boy. Uh, the Roval is the second race of that yeah. round. It's not Dega, is it? No. It might be. It, it might be? Let's Maybe. find out. Go yeah, why don't you look it up as, as we... Uh, it starts with Texas, so a snooter. Oh, all right, well, Texas to Talladega to the road course. Catch us as we preview Texas next week on the lockdown. Bay or oh, oh my god, the tight on entry. It's been a long night. I've been listening boy. to my lockdown Bengals podcast so much that shout out to those guys. <laughs> they have a great podcast. Um, but thank you so much for listening to the tight on entry racing podcast, the fastest growing podcast on Spotify. Have a good night, y'all.